This episode of the Cascadian Beer Podcast has been made possible by the BC Ale Trail. Arrive thirsty, leave inspired at bcaletrail.ca. A brewery doesn't have to be large or package their product to be successful. They can find success in an enthusiastic market. Welcome to the Cascadian Beer Podcast. My name's Aaron, and I'm a Cascadian. I have a background in radio and television broadcasting. I'm a music producer and have a passion for beer. I don't consider myself an expert in beer by any means, but I do enjoy and respect the craft and the passion of these brewmasters. I want to learn from these pioneers and what sets them apart from the rest and why they choose to call Cascadia their home. Cascadia is a bioregion in the Pacific Northwest and the North American continent. It is made up of the U.S. states of Washington and Oregon, as well as the Canadian province of British Columbia. In this podcast series, I'll be profiling the unique breweries of Cascadia, a region that has a strong presence on the international beer scene. I've traveled to Metro Vancouver in British Columbia at a local craft beer cult favorite, Brass Neck Brewery. They opened their doors on October 2nd, 2013, and is a creative project of some of Vancouver's craft beer icons. I sat down and spoke with Brass Neck Brewery's brewmaster. My name is Conrad Gamoser, and I'm the head brewer and co-owner of uh, Brassneck Brewery. How long has Brassneck been open for? Uh, we just had our fourth birthday in October, so a little, right. over, a little over four years. And whereabouts in Vancouver are we at the moment? We're right on Main Street, uh, just north of Broadway, uh, between 5th and 6th. And was, this, was, this was the first location, obviously, that, that, opened, that you guys opened your doors at, right? Yeah, I mean, we're looking for a a space in Vancouver is not fun, and and we looked around a lot. This was actually one of the first places we looked at, but it took a long time to get to the point where we could convince the landlord to lease it to us. <laughs> so, uh, how's the reception been then with the uh, local community in terms of you know? Do you have a following? Are you guys kind of packed out every night? I feel we're really lucky. I think all of Vancouver is a great place to to do a brewery. But we we have a great crew that comes out all throughout the week. It feels like what's happening in Vancouver that, that you know, say four or five years ago, people were just waiting for breweries to open and it's been great. So how did beer find you? I was, I kind of described myself as a reformed architect and uh, I was a graduate who was trying to figure out where to start working for a living. And I happened to uh, need to buy a birthday present for my brother's girlfriend's father and i bought him uh, papazian's complete joy of homebrewing i don't think he ever cracked it open but i read it cover to cover and it's like uh, multiple lights went on in my brain and and that was pretty much the start Mm -hmm. how'd you start off like what was what was your homebrew kit did you do extract first or did did you go right in old grain i did extract i mean i i had done a little bit of extract brewing in university i i wouldn't don't really reflect back on that time with a lot of pride, it was a very utilitarian enterprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, you know, I was really intrigued by the by the latter part of the book where he gets into all grain. That just really got me excited. So I fairly quickly uh, moved into doing partial mash, and then I, I moved to Vancouver 
my uh, girlfriend at the time and I had a, had a baby and we uh, found a house that had a shed. And that was, as soon as I had a shed, that was, it was time to start going all grain. So then what was the moment then that you're like, you know what, I kind of want to do this professionally. It was a bit gradual. I, uh, I ended up uh, working in an office uh, in Gastown and uh, the architect I was working for was one of the founders of Steamworks. Mm-hmm. So I was busy working in his office and of course was super interested in what was happening uh, in the basement of the building. At a certain point, the architect I worked for, things were getting slow in the office. They asked me if I could work on their construction crew and uh, for the startup of the brew pub and I uh, got to see the place go from the ground up, met the brewers, uh, became friends with them. And at a certain point, they needed a, a part-time assistant brewer. And I jumped at that, mm-hmm. sort of split my time between cleaning tanks and sitting in front of a computer doing drawings. And at a certain point, both my jobs got a bit busy. And my uh, boss asked me which job I wanted more. And it was a pretty easy decision for me at that time. Now, I have a really curious question here because I've talked to a lot of people in um, in BC um, in terms of craft breweries. And there seems to be a theme between architecture and brewing because Paul Hadfield's a, an architect. That's true, yeah. Uh, Powell Street. Yep. Yep. So what, what's the connection there, do you think, between craft beer and uh, architecture? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that... You, Is it like a mindset thing? That- yeah, I think that people who uh, end up in architecture have a technical point of view, but are also interested in, tend to be people who are interested in making things. And I think for me, the reason that brewing has been so satisfying for me is that I've always been someone who liked making things and, and brewing fulfills that for me. So how did Brassneck then come about? So, I mean, you were an assistant brewer for a while. Did you go anywhere else before the, before this or? I didn't. I actually ended up, uh, you know, I ended up working as the assistant brewer at Steamworks and I wasn't actually there for that long as the assistant when um, the brewer I was working under, uh, Shirley Warren, she left to do a project on the East Coast and I was very green and the owners took a chance on me at the time. So I became the head brewer in, in, at Steamworks in 96. And I and put a pretty you know long stint in there. It was about 16 years or so. What happened is I, you know, at the time we didn't do any keg sales at all. We were actually having to farm out a little bit of our uh, beer production just because the brew pub was so busy. But Nigel Springthorpe from the Alibi Room, my current my partner here, uh, he came by and asked us if we would please sell him some beer. And that sort of started a, a relationship between the two of us. Mm-hmm. So there was we got to know each other quite well. The Alibi was right on my bike route home and I'd stop in quite often, I mean, as a lot of brewers uh, mm-hmm. still do. You know, one day he... Uh, Asked me over for uh, for a beer in his kitchen and told me he was going to ask me something that I could think about it for as long as I wanted and asked me if I wanted to start a brewery and I took me about ten seconds to say <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. What significance um, does the Alibi Room hold in terms of craft beer in Vancouver? I still remember when he the day he came to ask if we would sell him kegs, and I remember looking at him and thinking to myself, "This guy seems like a really nice guy," and I'm about to tell him to take a hike. But then he started talking about the Alibi Room, and and at the time, you know, I think that. Uh, beer culture in Vancouver was really wanting something more. And, and he was, you know, as soon as he started talking about what he was doing, I thought, uh, someone is finally doing a, a proper craft beer tap house. You know, I think a unique idea is just no one had really, really 
done it coming from a place of of really loving craft beer and and also really championing local beer. I think that the Alibi Room was really uh, did great things for the beer scene in Vancouver. And and I think you know the you need places like that to introduce beer to people who aren't beer nerds. And uh, I'm not disparaging beer nerds. We, we uh, wouldn't be here if it wasn't for beer nerds and mm-hmm. I consider myself one, but, but uh, you, you need a place to show uh, people from other walks of life, what it's all about. Yeah. Every culture needs its hardcore addicts and yeah. everything else. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm in conversation with Conrad, the brewmaster and co-owner of Brassneck Brewery. Vancouver's craft beer scene has exploded in recent years with nearly 30 breweries within the city limits. It can be a bit daunting to even know where to begin to explore. Thankfully, the BC Ale Trail has launched the new Vancouver Ale Trail. On the website at bcaletrail.ca, you'll find recommended itineraries for each region, a comprehensive list of every craft brewery in BC, a calendar of beer events, and a blog with lots of great stories. The regional ale trails include local breweries, pubs, and restaurants, along with other great activities that the area has to offer. So whether you're planning a weekend trip or just being a tourist in your own backyard, let the BC Ale Trail guide you to your next beer adventure. Arrive thirsty, leave inspired at bcaletrail.ca. And thanks for the BC Ale Trail for making this episode possible. Now let's jump back into my conversation with Conrad from Brass Neck Brewery. Did any of the influence from the Alibi Room then kind of spur into what the type of beers you do here? Like, is, is there like any connection or is this like uh, just kind of fresh? I mean, if you talk to Nigel, he kind of describes the Alibi Room as a little bit of a laboratory where you get to try things out and see how people react. Mm-hmm. When you're there, people are talking about the beer on the list all the time. And you really, you know, I think that he got a really good chance to see what people are interested in. And then you also, it's a place where you get beer from other places. And that's the whole, when you look at the beer scene in North America, it's really, there's all this cross pollination going on all the time. And and I think that that place like the Alibi Room is really important for that. And so what do you tend to focus on here in terms of the style of beer? Or is it just kind of a free for all? I think the thing, the main idea that we had was to try and do a relatively small brewery, as small as we could reasonably do and still make it worth doing but we really wanted a place that sold beer mostly in-house and a place that had a really good list to do that you basically you're trying to cover a bunch of different bases stylistically and i think that's that's uh, probably the main thing that we set out to do is to try and really have some beers that are different from each other in the in the in the lineup and you guys uh, don't really package your beers, right? Like this, it's only growler fills or have here at the tasting room. We right? just started canning, but the, the way we can is extremely manual. So it, mm-hmm. it's, we fill cans on growler guns and seam them manually. Mm-hmm. They're only for sale in-house. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're really only, you know, we have maybe two, three days of inventory. Uh, we're not doing any packaged beer. We're not distributing any packaged beer. And when we opened, we were strictly growlers and kegs and, and not even that many kegs. So what is the size of the brew house then? It's an 11 hectoliter brew house or 10 barrel from the old uh, Dick's brew pub uh, that was on BD. Right. So it's got a, it's got a good story to it, the, the brew house. Oh, well, what is that story? Uh, well, it was built in 98. There's just been, the Dix was actually uh, a really important place. It's sort of around around the early 2000s that a lot of the Vancouver, the kind of core of the Vancouver beer scene would congregate there a lot. I think that was a place where you'd kind of get some of the crazier IPAs in town at the time. It was uh, just a little less, I mean, I'd say the crowd was... Uh, 
a little different than say Steamworks or Yaletown, uh, which are a little more mainstream and you get a few people coming in for interesting beer and most people just wanted pale ale and lager mm. and that sort of thing. Right. <laughs> so if you have a uh, 10 barrel system, then um, how many fermenters do you have you fit into this small space? So we have we've got seven fermenters. Uh, it's a bit of a hodgepodge of equipment. Uh, we have the three original fermenters from, uh, from the Dix system. Uh, then we have some uh, 24 hectoliter uh, conical tanks that we we got afterwards. We also have, have an oak fooder um, that's about 4,000 liters. And we have a couple of open fermenters that look like glorified bathtubs, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually have a fair bit of fermentation that allows us to kind of do some, you know, anything from Bavarian style wheat beer to good old sort of classic lagers. Uh, and then we've got the oak tank we're doing a Brett Saison right now. Right. And I mean, you guys have won a number of awards as well for the BC Beer Awards. Um, anything larger outside of BC that you've been recognized for? Uh, I mean, the only competitions we've really participated in are BC Beer Awards and then the uh, the Canadian uh, Brewing Awards. Mm-hmm. I see the value in awards, but I'm a bit of a, I'm just my philosophically somewhat opposed to the idea of brewing being a competitive sport. Yep. Uh, I think that you know anyone who understands what awards are all about, they're basically a bunch of brewers getting together and giving each other prizes. And mm-hmm. so you can advertise your beer and that sort of thing that uh, still, I, I it's do a fun time. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I think the, I actually really think the BC beer awards guys are doing a great job mm-hmm. and making it into a really great community event, which is what is good about beer awards in, in my book. I just like to, you know, I always kind of have an asterisk besides beer awards for yes. me. Yeah. Um, in terms of beer styles, do you have a uh, favorite time of year that you like to brew? Like in terms of seasonal beers, any beer that you really like to make? I, I mean, I'm actually, I really like lagers a lot if I'm just not thinking about anybody else. So winter is a time I like the, you know, in the summer we have a lot of fun with fruit beers, uh, but it's also a hectic time where we're, you know, sometimes you just get caught up satisfying the, the, the thirst. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this time of year I can do a couple other, like we're doing a, like a fest beer called bestie fest. We kind of do it a little bit in conjunction with the folks at bestie. That's a fun one to do. We also do some like our Brett barley wine, which is a beer that I like to do. So I, I find winter there's a, we can kind of get a little bit away from the, a little bit away from what is, is expected of us in the summer, I could say. And if somebody hasn't been to Vancouver before, I mean, like, what would you kind of recommend as, you know, how somebody can actually get the most out of the Vancouver craft beer scene while they're here just visiting? Um, I, it's kind of crazy. It's things have changed so much, uh, in the last few years, but I think now, you know, the thing to do now is, is probably take a day each for the different, for kind of main street area. And then also, uh, you know, what they're calling East van now. These days, you could spend more than a day uh, in East Van. Um, I spent a whole afternoon and barely made it halfway through. So. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think, and the, the great thing is there, it's pretty walkable. Mm-hmm. When you're in the States, some cities, the, if you want to catch a few of your favorite breweries, you, you, uh, walking is not necessarily an option. But uh, I feel like in Vancouver, it's, it's uh, you know, besides getting from, that, from, from Main Street to East Van, you're, you could pretty much walk everything else. Mm-hmm. And transit's pretty well connected between those places. Too, anyway, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And if somebody was wanting to go down this path themselves of opening up their own brewery, what would be some advice you could give them? Um, I would say uh, you need a lot of time and money. <laughs> 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 I, you know, I think there are people who are doing things on a modest budget, but the dif- most difficult thing is in Vancouver is just 
the time it takes to find a space. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think we could find a space like ours at the moment, or it would be very difficult. Uh, that's the biggest challenge. I think in Vancouver, probably for a lot of other businesses too, is, is finding a decent space is, is, uh, so hard. And then, you know, not everyone realizes what it's like to actually go through the permitting process and all that sort of thing. I mean, I feel like I'd had enough experience in architecture to understand just how painful it was going to be. Uh, so it wasn't such a surprise, but I, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's any easier just because you know, it's what it's going to be like. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Conrad. Thank you. Thank you so much, Conrad, for your time. Really appreciate it. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, or, you know, give us a star if your podcast app does that. It really helps get this into as many ears as possible. There's tons of episodes in the archives now, so if you've enjoyed this and want to explore more episodes, you can by going to the website at cascadian.beer. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cascadianbeer. We're on Twitter at cascadianbeer. And we're on Instagram at Cascadian Beer Podcast. Thank you so much again for listening. And until next time, remember, support your local.